We have started 2024. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? I remember, uh, some of you guys remember 2001, the Space Odyssey or the movie. How many of you guys remember? I'm dating myself, I know. That came out in the late 60s. I didn't know about it until a little bit later, but that was so futuristic. And here we are, 23 years past that. So uh, <clears throat> it is a, this time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Again, we're not legalistic about it. We're not like, oh, we're not going to come check on you. This is something between you and the Lord. But I believe it's a special time of year. One that my fleshly side of me does not like. Uh, and just so you guys know, if you were here last week, during my message, I felt like the Lord told me coffee. That's why my wife kept mentioning it. So I do have water here. Let me tell you, this morning was quite boring with just water. But I've made it one morning, only 20 more of water, and I can do it. So, uh, But praise God, my spirit loves it because I get to draw closer to Him. Amen? That's what uh, matters most. How many of you realize there is a battle, not just in our world, but it goes on on the inside of you and I. There's a spiritual battle that takes place, and it's very real. It's between our flesh, our sinful nature, that wants to do what it wants to do, and then our spirit man on the inside that desires to please God. So there's a struggle that goes on uh, within us. Let me just say this. Before you come to Christ, there is no battle because you just do what you want to do. Right? You just follow whatever feels good, and that's what, that's what you go with. Let me take you to Romans chapter 7. It says, when we were controlled by our old nature, our flesh, our skin and bones that has its desires, sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused those evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds uh, resulting in death. But you don't have to raise your hand, but we all probably understand how our sin nature has gotten us in trouble. All right, it's gotten us in the wrong place. Sometimes our mouth has opened up and said things that we knew we shouldn't have said and uh, landed us in hot water. Here's the reality. Because sin, those evil desires work within us. Uh, what are those desires? Well, the scripture gets specific about it in Galatians. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There's sexual immorality, uh, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, uh, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. So how many of you know that is not an exhaustive list? There's more. But what does he go on to say? In verse 22, he says, let me, or 21, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. How many of you know this is something we need to talk about? Right? Because I want, I don't know about you, but I want to inherit the kingdom of God. Right? When my time on this earth is over, I want to make sure that I get to go to heaven, that I'm in his presence. So this really is a big deal. Uh, one would hope that, hey, listen, if I give my life to the Lord, then all of those sinful desires are gone, right? No. <laughs> Wrong. Right? We still have them. Why? Because we're still living in this corrupted body. This body of sin that wants to do what it wants to do. Uh, 2 Corinthians describes it like this. We now have this light shining in our heart. When you have Christ, that light is shining in you. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing 
this great treasure. So we're walking around. We have Christ. But how many of you know we're still fragile when it becomes to following God or, or caving into our sinful nature? That battle is constantly struggling. Paul goes on to describe it a little more in Romans 7. He says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law, his word with all my heart, but there is another power within me. Everybody say another power in me. That is at war with where? My mind. How many of you know our sin nature wars with your mind? Your sin nature tells your mind, oh, this is okay. Oh, this is what you want to do. If it feels good, then, then follow after that. Our mind deceives us into saying what's wrong is right and what's right is wrong. So that battle is going on. And it says, uh, at war with my mind, this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. We become captive to it. And then he goes on to say, after he realized this, uh, this principle of life, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Can we all say this highlighted part together? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen? How many of you know Jesus is the answer for the things that are going wrong in my life? All I got to do, if, if he's the answer, we need to draw closer to the answer, right? I want to draw closer to Jesus because he's the one that will set me free from the power of sin, from the power that, and, and the lies that deceive my mind. Listen, it's a reality. You're not going to be able to follow Jesus on your own power. You can try. You can do it maybe for a few weeks. But the reality is that you've got a real flesh that battles against you and will pull you away, eventually cause you to drift away. Amen? True? So, but here's the thing. Just as uh, God told Cain, Cain and Abel in, the, uh, in Genesis, when he offered his uh, sacrifice, it wasn't acceptable. And God told him this. He says, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door eager look what it says sin is eager to control you but you must subdue it and be its master i don't want sin to control me i don't want my sin nature to control me the reality is we live in a world where many people are controlled i mean just look at the violence and the uh, the debauchery and all of the stuff that's going on in our world there are many that are allowing sin to control them and a lot of people aren't even fighting it it's like, hey, listen, I tapped out long ago. I'm just going to go with the flow. Listen, even if you try to do what it's right, eventually you're not going to. Just that principle that Paul talked about. Because the answer is in Jesus and Jesus alone. He's the only one that gave us that victory. So our verse that we're going to be focusing on this month is come close to God and God will come close to you. Isn't that a great promise? If I'll choose to draw close to God, then God's going to get closer to me. I wanted to read that, whole, that verse in context of the other verses around it. He says, so humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Isn't that true? That's what happens. Our flesh is, de is devoted to the things of the world, 
but our spirit man is devoted to the things of God. So I've got to submit to God. I've got to humble myself. I've got to come close to him. A amen. This all really leads to how do I do that? Consecrating ourselves. And I, if you were here last week, I, I, I put this definition out there. Uh, but I wanted to give it again, and it is in your notes. So yes, you do have notes this week. Uh, consecrating yourself, it's the act of dedicating oneself to the specific purposes or intentions of God. It's a very deliberate act that requires a person to stop doing pretty much everything else that's in their diary to focus purely and entirely on the things that God is doing. So days, times of consecration are important in our life. That's why when you hit a new year, a lot of people evaluate their life and the things that they don't like going on. It's like, oh man, I got to correct this. I got to get going in the right direction. I got to do the. And so we do these uh, New Year's resolutions. Anybody make any this year? Come on, let's be honest. Nobody wants to raise your hand because they usually fall apart by week three. Isn't that true? It's like, ah, that didn't work out. But the intention is actually pretty good because we realize there's areas of our life that aren't going in a good direction. I don't like this. I don't want to keep doing that. And so we try to find these starting points that we can turn and begin to make life on a new step. Let me do this. So uh, resolutions usually don't work, but I will tell you, when you consecrate yourself to God, that will work. Because you're, draw, you're, you're not trying to do it in your own power. Okay, I'm going to stop smoking or I'm going to stop doing whatever. It's like, no, you consecrate yourself to God. God's going to give you the freedom and the deliverance and the strength and the power to overcome and to actually change the direction of your life. Amen? Amen? So uh, we call for this every the beginning of every year, this 21 days of prayer and fasting. Is there anything magical about 21 days? Absolutely not. Uh, no, you can fast any time, any amount you can do, you know, some people do the Daniel fast, which is like fruits and vegetables. Uh, yeah, I'm, we're, you know, you do one, one meal a week, one, uh, one meal a day, whatever it is. So there's that booklet that's out there. Pastor Colleen had mentioned out there. You can check it out. But what happens when you do a corporate fast, I believe that there are breakthroughs individually that you'll have. But not only that, I believe that there's breakthroughs corporately as well. Because yeah. how many of you know, as a church, we're not just individuals coming together. Jesus calls us the body of Christ. And listen, when the body of Christ is coming together, looking to God for breakthrough, God's going to bring breakthrough. Amen? I believe that, that as we draw closer to God, we will see more miracles begin to happen. Amen? We will see relationships restored that you thought were fractured and would never come back together again. God's spirit, when it begins to move, he moves within a body that is drawn close to him. Amen. So uh, I want to give you today three reasons or three benefits to come close to God. Why would I do this? Why do I want to submit myself to that? Why would you give up coffee for the, that 21 days? Uh, some of you guys, that's not a big deal. The reason I will is because there are actual benefits from it. Let me start out, and I want to read out of Exodus when Moses, God was speaking to Moses. He says, the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so that the people themselves will hear me when I speak to them. So he's saying, listen, I'm coming, and everybody's going to be able to hear me. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said, 
Then the Lord told Moses, go down and prepare the people for my arrival. Consecrate them. There's that word today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Listen, if you are going to meet somebody important, don't you want, don't you get prepared for it? Like if you go to a job interview, I know things are maybe different these days, uh, but there was a day when people would put on their best clothes to go to an interview. They wouldn't like, hey, listen, where's my grungiest jeans? Let me put those things on. No, you would put on clean clothes, nice clothes, make sure you fixed your hair, hopefully shower that morning. Amen? Because you want to be prepared. And uh, listen, if you're going to meet God, he's saying, listen, consecrate, get prepared, make sure that the people are ready. And then he says, be sure they're ready because on the third day for on that day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai and all the people will watch. So why would we want to consecrate ourselves? Because the Lord God is coming to visit. And what we can learn from that in your notes to fill in that the benefits of coming close is that he prepares us for God's presence. We are ready. Listen, we know that we don't deserve to be in God's presence. It's only because of the blood of Christ that we have access, but we know that God is holy, right? God is holy. Sometimes we take that for granted and like, oh yeah, you know what, God? And we don't treat the things as holy. We treat them as ordinary, but God really is holy. How many of you know God is also omnipresent? And I know that's one of those weird words, but what it simply means is that God is everywhere at the same time. There's nowhere that God isn't. There's nowhere that you can hide. You can't crawl under your bed and hide from God. You can't go in your closet. Uh, you can't go in some remote area. God is everywhere, am I right? But uh, even knowing that, there's this thing called the manifest presence of God where you begin to actually sense and feel the presence of God. It's like a thick cloud coming down. Like when God showed up in a burning bush to Moses, uh, do you realize God was there before the bush was on fire? Right? But he manifested himself in that way. Even when he led the children of Israel, a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire, uh, the fourth man that was in the fire was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When the Holy Spirit came on Acts chapter 2, the Bible says there was this might, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. And listen, even in sometimes in services and church, God is always, may not. I, I remember a number of years ago when we were in Chico, and, and uh, you guys have heard we hosted international students a lot. Uh, but we had a Chinese teacher, uh, adult man from China. He stayed with us for a few weeks. And his English, you know, he could get by with it. But if you've ever tried to learn another language and uh, you're like, you got few words together, like I know a few words in Spanish, but if you start talking fast, then you've totally lost me. Because to me, it sounds like one long word. And that's the same way people that are here really slow and make sure there was a pause in between each word so that he could know what we were saying. So anyway, he came to church with us and uh, he had a big smile the whole time. I thought, man, he's really enjoying this. And uh, by the time it was over, I asked him, I said, hey, how'd you like service? He goes, well, I didn't understand anything that was going on. All right, because we obviously spoke too fast. He goes, but then he started to try. He goes, but I really felt something different here. He goes, and he's trying to describe. He goes, it was like joy. And, 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 and I just felt he couldn't describe what it was. What he was describing was the presence of God. 
He sensed the presence of God there, even though his mind didn't understand what was going on. We had a similar situation when we pastored back in Texas, and we had a family that would come, and, and their mother, and they were a Spanish family, their mother would come, she didn't know any English. And, and there was a church in town that actually spoke Spanish. She, she used to go to, she started coming to our church, even though she didn't understand any of the words. And, she, and we asked her, I'm like, why, did, why does your mom keep coming? She goes, she loves what she feels here. She goes, she can feel the presence of God here, even though she's not understanding that. I mean, that's how real God's presence is. God's presence transcends all language and cultural barriers. Do you agree? You don't have to understand. I've been in services where I didn't understand what language they were talking. You know, I've, I've been in the Philippines and it's like, okay, I don't have any idea what you're saying. But man, you could sense the presence of God. You could tell that God was there. We've, you can feel his presence. So why do I fast? I want to I sense the presence of God. I, I don't want to be oblivious to that. I believe that we can do it. Listen, God, God is a logical, knowable God, but he's also a God you can experience. Amen? You can actually have an experience with him. I remember, listen, when I was uh, uh, growing up, and many of you, you know, I wasn't raised really going to church. We went off and on at different times, but I started going to this one church, 16 years old. I was in, it was in 1982. And I went really for the wrong reasons. There was a girl I was wanting to go out with, so I started going. How many of you know, not the best motive right there, but I remember going, and, and God's presence was moving. I wasn't sensitive to it at all. I saw people with their hands up in their air. There were times that I saw people weeping, and, and they were singing, uh, not just singing a song. They were actually singing to somebody. And I didn't understand that. Some people would be kneeling on the ground, and it was kind of a culture shock for me. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I didn't understand it. It really didn't scare me, though, because I knew that these people weren't faking whatever was going on. I just knew that there was something that they had that I wanted. I'm like, I don't understand what it is. I don't know what's going on, but I wanted whatever they had. And it reminded me of a story when Jacob was running uh, from his brother Esau, he stopped at a place that had no name. It was just a good place to, to stop and camp. That's what the scripture says in Genesis 28. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp. And he stopped there from the night. He's just like, hey, listen, I'm cooking my marshmallows over my fire. It's great. I'm going to go to sleep here. In the middle of the night, he had a dream. God revealed himself basically told him, gave him promises that he had given to his uh, Abraham and Isaac, said that he would be with him. He wakes up the next morning from his sleep and he says, surely the Lord is in this place and I wasn't even aware of it. God was there. And so he names the place Bethel, which means the house of God. Uh, let me just tell you, this was not the house of God where he was at. He named it there because that's what he, where he first experienced God. 
Like he knew about God in his head. He understood about God. He had been taught about God by his grandfather Abraham, by his father Isaac, but he didn't really, he, it was just all a head knowledge. He had never really had that experience himself. So he's going to call this place the house of God. And let me tell you, at 16 years old, I was in a church where the presence of God was moving, was manifesting in that place, but I was not spiritually sensitive. And all I, you know, I look back at it now and I'm like, yeah, the Lord was in that place, but I wasn't even aware of it. I didn't know what was going on. So that's the thing, drawing close to him, he prepares us for his presence, but I believe also increases our spiritual sensitivity where we can actually begin to sense the presence of God. Where, where I'm not in a service, I've been in more than one service where I'm like in my own world and I see God touching other people's lives and I'm like, what's going on? Well, God's there. Obviously, they're having that. I'm just not very sensitive to it. So I, I want God, here's the reality. Sometimes we get calluses in our life, right? You work too much with your hands, you get them on your hand. Uh, and our spirit can get calloused. We can get hard to the things of God. We can get calloused. So drawing near to him begins to remove those calluses from our spirit so that we can begin to sense him again. Amen? Both of those are enough reason to draw close to God. Am I right? To get victory over my fleshly desires, to say, Lord, I want your presence. I want to, I want to, I, I believe as a church, we can experience God's manifest presence every single day. Amen? Whether you're here, whether you're on a walk somewhere, and, and that is my desire. That's one of the reasons that, that I'd be willing to give up whatever it is, is so that I can experience the presence of God. Listen, if you've never experienced God's presence, I'll tell you, it's not that difficult to fast. Because Lord, if I need to do that, if I need to uh, uh, soften my heart a little bit, then Lord, I want that. I want, you, listen, you can be on a walk. Anybody ever sense God's presence just on a walk somewhere? On the beach? That's my favorite place, right? Some people like the mountains. Drive in your car, in your own house, wherever you are. You can do that if you allow your heart to be drawn into him and draw close to him. In Revelations, we read several verses where it says, Let him who have ears hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. What he's saying is that there are some people, God is talking but if our ears are not tuned into him, guess what? We're not hearing. We have no idea what God is saying. You know, he's on frequency 98 point whatever, and you're over here on 102 point something. And it's like, no, I need to turn my frequency. I've got to tune my ear to where he is because that's where God, God is always speaking to us. And maybe you're here saying, you know what? I need a word from God. I want to tell you, uh, draw closer to him. Allow God to tune your ear to him, and you will begin to hear the directions that he wants. So I want to give a, a little analogy here. Let me just start. Anybody ever drive your car out of alignment while it was out of alignment? Come on, my hand is up. Like your, your steering wheel is doing this thing. You're getting about 45, 50 miles an hour and you're like, and it's getting worse and worse. And, uh, and, and, it, and if you let your hands off, it wants to go off in one direction, right? That's a horrible situation to be in. I, I just looked online and I'm like, okay, what are the, because I felt like the Lord was leading me to share this. Uh, what are some of the problems when your car is out of alignment? Well, the first one is that you have steering problems. Just like I was talking about, like your, you know, your wheels are pointing three, you know, this way, 
and you're trying to go this way, so you have to try a little bit harder. Uh, so I just want to read what the website said about the steering problem. It says, when wheels become out of line, they aren't facing in the direction necessary for optimal handling. This means that you may be trying to steer straight, and the vehicle is veering in a completely different direction. And the more misaligned the wheels get, the less reliable your steering will become. This can be a dangerous issue for those who are trying to drive on cramped streets. Inclement weather, ice, rain, snow can make it even more dangerous, leading to a car accident that could have been avoided with a simple wheel alignment. Okay, what does that have to do with my spiritual life? How many of you know when you are spiritually out of line with God, you got steering problems as well? And so I, I just kind of wrote this in alignment with that. Your flesh nature is pulling you harder and harder in the wrong direction. And the more misaligned you are, the less reliable you are to make good choices and decisions in life. This can be a dangerous issue for you when you are navigate, navigating through the difficult life issues and challenges leading to a possible life crash. This can be avoided by a simple realignment with God's presence, drawing close to him. Let me give you a verse that the Lord showed me. Trust God, for, and this is out of the message, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out on your own. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one that will keep you on the right track. Amen. When I get aligned with him, that means I'm not having to struggle. God is directing me. It's like it, all, it becomes easy. Anybody after an alignment, you got that and you're driving down the road and you just want to take your hands off and you're like, oh man, look, the car's going in the right direction. I'm not having to hang on to the steering wheel. That's how it really is. When you get closer to God, it's like I can take my hands off because God is directing me. God is directing me in the right direction. Here's another problem when your car's out of alignment. Uh, uneven wear and tear on your car. Now, I got this picture off the inter internet. Do you think these three words are necessary when you look at that picture? <laughs> this is bad. Uh, we all know that's bad. Like, I've had my tires look like that before. Come on, let's be honest. Anybody else? And I even realize it because <laughs> it's always on the inside. It's not till you happen to park your car and you got your wheel and all of a sudden you see your tire and you're like, oh no, I thought I had all this tread left on my tire, but the reality is I'm about to have a blowout. It's, it's about going out. So here's the uneven wear and tear. It says in a properly aligned vehicle, in a properly aligned vehicle, all the tires will have even wear in consistent spots. Your tires must be replaced regularly, but a good alignment will keep them safer for longer. When tires are forced to experience wear on the edge or at their weakest point, they can shred and cause severe damage to the parts of the wheel and axle. This is more than just a slow leak. This is a sudden failure that can happen at high speeds, leading to potentially serious accidents. Tire rotation can help, but a good alignment will save you time and money. All right, how does that affect us spiritually? When we are spiritually uh, uh, out of alignment with God, then we have uneven wear and tear in our life. So let me read you what I wrote. In a properly aligned person, we're still going to get weary and tired, do we not? Yeah. Right? We still get tired. We're tired. Oh, I don't know. That's why some people aren't here today. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. 
wear and tear still happens, you must spend regular time before God to keep you safe. When people experience wear on the edge or at their weakest point, they can shred and cause severe damage to their life and relationships. And this is more than just a slow leak. This is sudden failure that can happen at high speeds, leading to a potentially serious problem when life blows up and other people are hurt. Isn't that true? When you wear out, have, have you ever noticed that? You wear out, it's like you're all of a sudden and people just kind of lose it. That's a blowout right there. That's because uneven wear and tear has been going on. We can, we can alleviate that when, it, like the scripture says, repent of our sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And I love this. And times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. How many of you know we need times of refreshment? We don't have, God, we don't have to change out our spiritual tires. All we got to do is get renewed in him. All right? If we do that on a regular basis, then yes, you may get tired, you may get weary at times, but man, you get back into the presence of God, you begin to draw closer to Him, and it's like, man, I just got new tread on my vehicle. I'm ready to go again. <clears throat> one last one that I want to share, poor fuel economy. When, you max, when you got, your tires are out of alignment, it takes more energy to do the same thing because you're going against the grain. Let me read what it says. It said, misspent energy. The harder you have to work to stay on the, right, on the road in the right way, maintaining forward momentum, the more energy you are wasting and paying for. The harder your vehicle has to work to stay on the road and maintain a consistent speed, the more fuel you are wasting and paying for. Proper wheel alignment carries into fuel economy and overall performance. So I just found this little graph here. And, and this is like at a, uh, let me read it, 7%. If your average properly aligned vehicle travels 15,000 miles a year with an average 25 miles a gallon at 350 a gallon, wouldn't that be nice? Let's move that to $5 a gallon. The vehicle would save, it says $150. It'd probably save us $200 a year. Like, I'm okay with it saving $200 a year. Not only that, tires. But spiritually, when we are out of line, then we do have misspent energy. We're working harder to stay in the right direction. Uh, proper spiritual alignment will give us renewed. We will be renewed on a regular basis. Amen. One more last verse. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. Amen. How many of you know that's what this is about? We want to be aligned. We need an alignment every now and then because we get out of alignment. Maybe you hit sometimes what knocks your car out of alignment. You hit a big pothole, right? In life, sometimes we hit big potholes in life. Am I right? And it just kind of knocks us out spiritually like, oh man, I don't even know what happened. And so we've got to get back in line with God. We've got to take that time and say, okay, God, <coughs> I just hit this rough patch in my life and I feel like I'm all over the place. Lord, I need you to bring me back in. I need to get refocused again on you. So that's why we do these times on a regular basis. We want to draw close to him. One last one that I want to cover before we close James 4, 7, and 8, we read that a minute ago. Humble yourselves, resist the devil, and he will flee. How do I resist the devil? Drawing closer to him helps us to do that. So number three is gives us power over the evil one. How many of you guys know we're in a real spiritual battle? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, it's not like, ooh, the devil's some made-up cartoon character that sits on my shoulder and tells me to do the bad things. No, the enemy is real. He's a real enemy that fights against us. The Bible says in John 10.10 that the thief, or talking about the enemy, his purpose, his sole reason for being right now is to steal, kill, and destroy from each and every one of us. Right? That's what he does. That's what he does 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 365 days a year, and on leap year, 366 days. He does it all the time. That's what he wants. God's purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. I want that. I want option B, amen? But the enemy is after us. That's what he wants to do. And remember, when we're talking about drawing close to God, we start getting more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Guess what else? We become more sensitive to the enemy as well, and we can begin to recognize the works of the enemy a whole lot easier. We can begin to identify him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 11, it says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Do you guys realize that most people are completely unaware of the enemy's schemes to wreck their lives? It's like, oh man, I just wish I didn't make that bad decision. Oh man, I wish I didn't do that. Or we like to blame other people for the problems that are going in our life. How many of you know the real person that's the reason is an enemy that is bent on destroying our lives? Destroying, killing, whatever he can do. And the reality is that we just simply got outwitted. And we're like, well, I don't want to give the devil that much credit for being that smart. Uh, I don't want to either, but the reality is that if you read the scripture, he talked one third of the angels to rebel against God. And you think if you're not aware of the enemy's schemes that he can't fool you, if you're not aware, he can fool you like he can anybody else. Here's, a, here's just a few ways that the enemy has outwitted people. And, and let me just say, anybody here ever been a part of a church that had a split in it? All right, there's a few hands. That's ugly, isn't it? Can I tell you, everybody over here thinks they're right, and everybody over here thinks they're right. And, and, and Jesus is saying, listen, you guys got to need to love and forgive each other. <clears throat> and we're like, oh, no, I wanted the carpet to be orange. You know, oh, no, I wanted the carpet to be blue. And we're arguing about stupid things, right? Here's the reality is that the enemy outwitted us, right? If you go through that, you got outwitted. You're the, one, you're the one that fell for the enemy's uh, a lie. Another way that we realize it is uh, relationships. Now, let me just say, I've known a lot of relationships where one person is really trying to love and demonstrate Christ, but the other person is completely blinded. They've been outwitted by the enemy, and that relationship is over. It doesn't matter what kind. It could be a mother, father, brother, sister, husband, wife. Uh, any relationship that is broken is because the enemy has outwitted somebody in that, has convinced them somehow in their mind, oh, this is going to be the best course of action to take. So you know what? We're going we're gonna to file for a divorce. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. That's being outwitted by the enemy. You know, the scripture says, why not rather be wronged? So that, I don't want to be outwitted. Here's another one is addictions. How many of you know we know about addictions? Usually when we talk about addictions, we think drug and alcohol. Do you realize there's more addictions than that? Codependency. How many of you know that's an addiction? 
uh, food, eating, gambling, sex, love, work, shopping, debt, internet, games, all of those things could be addictions in our life. And if they start taking control of our life, then guess what? You've been outwitted by the devil. Right. Another one, selfish uh, desire, selfish ambition. Listen, sometimes the enemy dangles a carrot of success, money, fame, fortune out in front of you in order to get you to chase that rather than to chase the things of God. And you always end up hurting other people on your way up. Isn't that true? Here's the question. How do I become aware of the enemy's schemes? How do I, I don't want, the, I mean, I don't want to be fooled by myself. I don't want to be fooled by the enemy. I don't want to be fooled by anybody. Anybody like, oh man, I hope somebody just pulls the wool over my eyes. We don't want that. How do I do it? The only way is to draw close to him. Draw closer to him. You, you've heard how you recognize counterfeit money. It's not by studying all the counterfeit bills. It's by studying the original one, knowing it so well so that if a counterfeit comes, you recognize it. And I believe that the same thing is true. How do I know God's will? How do I know God's voice? You get so close to God that when another voice begins to whisper, you're like, ah, you know what? That's the enemy. That's the devil. He's just trying to stir me. He's just trying to get me to go in the wrong direction. I believe the closer you get to Jesus, you will not be outwitted by any fake counterfeit that Satan has to throw at you. Amen? Remember what it says in Ephesians. Put on, the full, put on God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. He's got real strategy. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Listen, that's a real battle that we're facing. And if we're walking around without our spiritual armor on, you realize spiritually we are naked. I know, ooh, gross, right? You don't, you don't want to think, don't give me that picture. So I want to say, suit up. Put on the armor of God, draw closer to Jesus, and you will begin to hear his voice. You will begin to sense him in ways that other people may not be because you're the one that's closer to him. So here's the uh, phrase. I've heard this years ago. You are as close to God as you want to be. Ooh, that's quiet in here. You're like, oh, I mean, I hear people all the time. Oh, I want to be close to God. But guess what? We're only as close as we want to be. You know, when we talked about the children of Israel earlier, when God was saying, listen, I want them to come up here, they didn't want to come up because they were afraid. They wanted to stay a distance away. And a lot of times people in their relationship with God, they're comfortable over here. Okay, God, you're over there. I don't want to draw anywhere closer. So don't say you're not, you don't want to be closer to God if you're not willing to begin to take those steps because the verse we've been reading, it says, come close to God. It's on us to do that, isn't it? You see, Jesus already removed every obstacle that separated God from man. He took away sin. He, took, he gave us forgiveness of sin so that the pathway is clear for you and I to be able to go. But we've got to actually take the steps. We've got to actually do the work that it requires for us to get to God, which means sometimes we have to deny our flesh. Isn't that true? Sometimes we have to get victory over that. We have to get conquer those things that want to keep tripping us up. And as I get ready to close out of uh, uh, when King David was going to offer a sacrifice for one of his sins, 
He made a big mistake. And, and so he was going to go get a, make a sacrifice unto God. And this story is found in First Chronicles. I'm not going to get into the whole story. I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Era, whatever. Anyway, he said to David, take it. Let my Lord the King do whatever pleases him. I will give the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges for the wood, and the wheat for the grain offering. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you everything you need to make a sacrifice to God. Is that really a sacrifice if somebody gives you everything you need? No, not at all. It's like, it's like saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to pay my tithes. Nick, let me borrow your wallet for a minute. Let me take out my tithes out of your wallet and then I'll put it in there. Did I pay my tithes? No, it was, uh, <laughs> I borrowed it from him. And David's saying, this guy's saying, here, you can sacrifice to God. I'm going to give you the wood. I'm going to give you the grain. I'm going to give you the animal. Here you go. You sacrifice to God. And, and David says, hey, listen, no, I insist, I insist on paying the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours or sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. Amen. So here's my encouragement. What is a, what is a fast? Listen, if it's not costing you anything, I, I think I joked about this. Some of you guys know I don't have a, a taste buds for cilantro. For me to say, oh, I'm going to fast cilantro, that's not a fast. All right. <clears throat> I know some of you guys love it. You give me a hard time about it, but uh, it just doesn't settle right on my taste buds. But, uh, you know, it's not a sacrifice if you're giving up something that's not a big deal. We kind of joked about Joshua doesn't really drink coffee. And we're like, oh, he's like, okay, I can do that. All right, that's not a, and we're not, we're, we're still serving coffee. This is not saying, oh, everybody's got to do that. You got to do whatever you feel like God's put on your heart. All right, I remember uh, somebody, I'm not going to point him out, was like, okay, I've got a sugar addiction. I'm going to give up sweets. And that was hard, right? <laughs> Whatever it is, it's like, hey, listen, Lord, I want to set this aside, not for some kind of weird religious thing, but Lord, simply because I want to put my flesh in check. Because what's going to happen is that my flesh is going to cry eventually. It wasn't real happy not having coffee this morning, but I got over it. It's only one day, right? But it's like, you know what, Lord? I don't want my flesh to have control of my life. I don't want to have to obey every time my flesh says, oh, you want this. Oh, you want to do that. There has to come a point in my life where I'm like, Lord, I'm submitting to you. I'm saying no to that in order that I can draw closer to you. Does that make sense? I want to draw closer to God. So that means leaving other things behind. And uh, if you will do that, listen, if you will draw closer, I promise you, you're going to sense him more. I promise you, you're going to begin to hear his voice more often. And you're going to be able to recognize when the enemy tries to come in. And he doesn't like you to hear that. He doesn't want you to hear that. When he comes in and he wants to mess with your life, with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, with whomever it is in your life, you're going to be able to recognize it. And listen, when you can recognize it, it's a whole lot easier to cut him off early, isn't it? A whole lot easier. So can I have everybody stand? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just trying to sense where the Lord wants to go with this. Lord, we, we come to you today. 
Lord, there is no secret on how to draw closer than you other than just drawing close. So Lord, if there's areas of our life that we need to give up, Lord, if there's areas that we need to turn aside from a, for a time, Lord, I pray that you would direct us. Lord, our goal is not to go through some weird religious thing, but Lord, our goal is to draw closer to you. Lord, we want to be near you. As Timothy's singing this song, leading in worship, can you guys just make it a prayer of your heart? Maybe you know the song, maybe you don't, but the words should be up on the screen. And then I'm going to close in prayer after.
close to you. Lord, we know that 2024, boy, that's going to be an unusual year, Lord, we know. Father, we got an election coming up, and uh, Lord, we know divisiveness is going to happen. Lord, we have no idea what's going to take place, but Lord, you do. Lord, we just sense as we draw close to you, we will not be shaken by the things of this world. Lord, we will not be shaken by politics, by what people say, by what people do. Lord God, we just want to be close to you. Father, I believe that as we stay close to you, Lord God, that when all the chaos of our world has settled down, Lord, we will still be standing strong. Lord, I just want to declare that over your church, Lord, over Freedom Church, over your church uh, in America, Lord God, over your church in the world. Lord, let us draw closer to you, Lord God, that we will not be drugged down by the enemy. Lord, I thank you. Lord.